0: Welcome to Speak Up Talk Radio. I am Pat Rulo. We specialize in author interviews, audiobook, and podcast production, as well as the prestigious Firebird Book Awards. We also feature our fun and short podcast that allows authors to record their own writing tip to share on our very own Boom Bang Oh My Gosh Wow podcast, which you will find along with the rest of our offerings at SpeakUptalkRadio.com. But for now, I am so thrilled to share a recent. Firebird Book Award winning author with you. She is Amy Lee and her winning book is titled The Snow Trilogy. Amy was born in Vietnam and immigrated to the United States in 1980 at the age of five with her mother and cousin. She graduated from Western Washington University with a degree in sociology and worked in the technology and telecommunications sector for 20 years. After her mother's death in February of 2017, Amy left her corporate job to write her debut novel, Snow in Vietnam, as a tribute to her mother's heroic decision to flee Vietnam after the fall of Saigon. Amy calls the Pacific Northwest and Oklahoma her home. Her greatest joy is spending time with her husband, son, and their pets. And I am so looking forward to our conversation. Welcome to the network, Amy.
1: Hi, Pat. Thank you for
0: having me. Oh, my. Thank you for being here. And congratulations on the book win. I was happy to share that with you.
1: I'm so, so excited. I'm so thankful, too, that you uh, told me about this um, this prestigious contest. So I'm excited
0: to be with you today. <laughs> me, too. Me, too. Thank you for for sharing your submission. It goes for the uh, homeless shelters. So I appreciate that you did that. And uh, yeah, now we have this opportunity, which is fun.
1: Yes, absolutely. Let's go.
0: Let's do it. All righty, so maybe before we talk about your book, just give us a little peek into your background. I gave a little brief peek, but maybe just tell us about any other earlier experiences that you think were instrumental to cause you to create and write what you do today.
1: Well, I'll start with uh, 2017, which was only five years ago, and that was when my mother passed away uh, from lung cancer. And it really shattered my world. And I just um, decided, you know, I needed to take a break from my corporate life. I had spent 20 years building my career. And when that happened, I just hit the pause button. Um, And to honor her, I decided to write her story. And that's when Snow in Vietnam came to fruition. And it really was more of a healing process for me to kind of unearth my history and my heritage, my roots. I really didn't know much about my background or my mom's or even, you know, our country and our culture and Vietnam War itself. So uh, that's where my journey started. And then after I finished that book, you know, my fans who read it, they they just wanted more. And I wrote the second book and then I just never stopped. Um, so I am now four books uh, into my journey with a few more uh, in my sleeve. <laughs>
0: Thank you for writing it. I know it must have been difficult. Those types of books always are, but that at the end, it is quite cathartic and healing for you as a writer just to get it all out.
1: Absolutely. I think that um, when you're dealing with trauma, residual trauma as well, you know, it's important to to share your stories, whether you write it down or just keep it to yourself or or publish it like I did, the most important thing to healing is to to continue digging into it and expressing um, your emotions. Mm -hmm.
0: And yours was quite a story to tell that clearly couldn't end with one book. You needed to keep writing.
1: Yeah, so I have a trilogy, as you know, and um, the first book was really about our escape after the fall of Saigon. Um, So the war ended, you know, April 30, 1975. I was born nine months before that. And it took several years and several thwarted attempts before my mom was successfully able to get out of the country. And she took with us uh, my cousin, who was 16 at the time, and didn't know what was happening until there was no turning back. And then the second book was really about us acclimating as new refugees in American society, navigating the matrix of you know the culture, the laws, and all the nuances of being in a new country. And then um, the third book was really about me trying to navigate that divide between American culture and the Vietnamese culture and not really understanding my identity. Um, but it also, the fun part is the, half, the second half of the book has uh, a cookbook. So it's over 100 pages of pictures, recipes, and just um, all sorts of good stuff uh, that kind of ties the trilogy together.
0: I always love a cookbook portion of a book or recipes in a book. It's just so meaningful and personal.
1: Yeah, and i I, you know, my mom, she never was, she was the youngest of seven children, so cooking was not her forte, and she really had to grow up fast and learn how to be independent because we came to the states without my father, and, you know, she had me, of course, and my cousin to feed, and through the years and through the experimentations around the kitchen, she was able to to cook and was really good at it, and she passed some of those recipes down to me. Um, and then I started to get excited about cooking when I had a family of my own and I was, you know, I had to prove to my mother-in-law, um, that I could take care of her son and was experimenting in the kitchen, just like my mom was. And now I just love cooking. It's very therapeutic as well. And, and, uh, yeah. And then I decided to put out a cookbook.
0: (laughs) I love that. Now your story from the very beginning, when you, when you left Vietnam with your mom and your cousin, you were not well.
1: No, that's the extra layer on top of our story here is that I was born with a congenital heart defect. Um, it's a simple defect, but you know back in Vietnam, when you're in the middle of the war and there's no resources or anything like that, it's really really challenging to to keep somebody alive when they're blue and um you know just not thriving. I had an atrial septal defect, so there was a hole in my heart that i was my mother was told that I wouldn't live past the age of five, uh, if I didn't get open-heart surgery or some kind of medical attention. And um, by the grace of God, we made it to the United States just in time for me to get my surgery, and that was done at Seattle Children's Hospital in 1980.
0: That's just such a story to imagine this little child on this boat, you know, crossing the sea and coming to another country being as ill as you were, it's just a tremendous feat.
1: Thank you. Well, you know, I had my mom, of course, she was a warrior and she had to grow up really, really fast. And um, that's why I have to honor her, right? I had to honor her by writing her story. And my cousin, too, bless him, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have known my story. Um, You know, we have a language barrier. He speaks Vietnamese as good as I speak English. Um, And so our communication was hard, but I was able to hobble along and um, with the help of Google Translate and just, um, you know, more diving into our conversations, I was able to pull the story out of him and uh, get that onto onto paper. Mm -hmm.
0: And you eventually met the surgeon who did your heart surgery, as well as the person who did the drawings. And I found that to be fascinating. I didn't even know that there was an artist that would, would make renditions during a surgical procedure.
1: Oh my gosh, it was such a miracle, Pat, because in, in 1980, you know, we, I mean, she was literally one in a million, um, Susan Russell Hall, and she was an artist, um, her first job was a medical illustrator, and she literally stood in the operating room, drawing pictures of my heart as the surgery, surgery was progressing. And um, she ended up marrying my surgeon, um, Dr. Dale Hall. And what she did was, with those renderings, she showed it to my mom. They had a translator there, and they were able to tell my mom what was going on with my heart and uh, what they did to repair it. And so she held, my mom held on to these pictures for years. And, you know, I just always wanted to know who my surgeon was, who my medical illustrator was. And it wasn't until... Last year or a year and a half ago when I was on a podcast, Heart to Heart with Anna, and I told Anna about my story and she made it her mission to find Dr. Gail Hall and she found them both. And literally two weeks after that episode was um, recorded, I flew to Seattle and met with them and it was a dream.
0: (laughs) And for them as well, they were probably so shocked that you found them.
1: It was it was full circle, and so and it was a healing thing for them as well. Yes. You know, So it was it was just amazing. We've kept in touch, and we've done some uh, collaboration together. As a matter of fact, uh, because Susan Hall is such an amazing um, artist, she recently did an acoustic painting of Dale's heart, and she um, put the prints on sale. So all the profits from the sale went to a nonprofit organization called Healing Hearts Vietnam. And they do surgeries for the CHD community in Vietnam. And uh, and they made a donation in my name in my honor. So it was just oh, amazing.
0: Oh, I love all of this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah,
1: I get emotional still talking yes. about it because it's just, you know, it's so wonderful.
0: Um, Amy, did your mom speak English when she came to the States? She did. She okay.
1: actually uh, was a little bit of a rebel in the sense that she you know, went to college in in Vietnam, and um, she chose the Christian faith instead of the Buddhism, and um, because she went to college, she knew some English, and so when she came to the States, um, she was able to, you know, increase her knowledge of the, of the language and almost master it, but um, I think that really was what helped her to be able to pivot and really thrive in America because of that language or the language skill.
0: yeah, Sure, sure. So you came here with your mom and your cousin, didn't know anyone. You obviously grew up and thrived in the culture here. What about your mom and your relationship with her as you were growing up and doing all of this?
1: Well, you know, we were really close when I was in elementary school, and then when I was in middle and high school, we kind of fell apart um, simply because, you know, I was – getting older as a teenager and, and pushing my boundaries, but also because my mom had remarried and, and that relationship didn't go so well. So while we still were connected, we weren't as close as we were. And then it wasn't until after when I was in college and my mom, you know, started a new life again uh, without her husband that we reconnected and became super close again. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's good that you had that opportunity to, come back together because that the journey was just such a journey to bring you so close together. You wouldn't want to lose that.
1: Yeah. And I think that was, it's part of the growing pains, you know, it's it's kind of what's necessary for us to spread (laughs) our own wings and for her to find her own voice again. And so it was, it was all for the right reasons, I think.
0: And for you now to have stopped your career to dedicate, your life to her memory and to recreating that so that others can become aware of it. I think that's so special.
1: Thank you. It's, you know, it's taken 40 years for, for the trauma to heal enough to be able to um, start your life again. Right. And for, for me, it's, I mean, I think back to all the things that my mom had to go through and how brave she was um, to give me not only my life, but my freedom Yes. And so I'm dedicating the second half of my life, obviously, to, mm-hmm. to her.
0: Do you find as you're getting older that you're noticing similarities between you and your mom?
1: That's an interesting question. I've never really thought about that. But um, I guess in some ways, um, yes. But I think, you know, I'm certainly more privileged. Uh, I've had a more privileged life than she has had. and But what makes me um, see parallels is really in the life of um, other other moms and dads in the Asian Asian culture, and when I see them, um, that is a reflection of the reality around me. And so I, you know, I get very upset or very angry when I see the anti-Asian hate crimes that are happening, and I also celebrate and get excited when there's you know big wins for our community. Like right now, I think with the Asian community, we're starting to find our voice and get some traction in mm-hmm. um, mainstream. And so that makes me super proud to be, to be Vietnamese and to be Asian.
0: Oh, I understand that. Yep. Um, I just know that after my mom passed away in 2016, we were very close for the last eight years because she wasn't well. And I, I learned so much about her during that time. And that now that she's gone, so many aspects of who I am is almost a reflection of her. I'm surprised. So I was wondering if you found that, you know, now that your mom's not here, if you're seeing any kind of lines between the two of you where you hadn't seen them before. We're
1: both, um, my mom was very quiet and soft-spoken, you know, he was more of an introvert and I certainly am, although I'm learning more and more to, to speak up. And, um, you know, my mom wasn't a cook. I wasn't a cook either until we were forced to learn how to cook, um, so there was a lot of similarities. And, and you know, the thing too about my mom is that she had to start her life over a few times, which I have had too, and um, each way we found a way. You know, we just, we just we don't know how to not hustle, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's part of my DNA to, to hustle every day.
0: You've got to just survive and, and get out there and make it happen, right?
1: Yes, oh like, absolutely.
0: Now, you mentioned being introverted. I think this is a interesting situation to be an author and have to promote your work because I know for from other conversations I've had with folks who feel that they are introverted, whether they really are or not, it's like, how do you break <laughs> that and get out there and say, hey, look, I wrote this. How do you yeah. reconcile that?
1: Oh, my gosh. It's so hard. It's the hardest thing to do is to promote your work because I think most authors are really content to just write it write their story and then leave it, let it be, right. you know, if you want to be read, you have to promote, you have to shout it at the top of the mountains. And um, I've been very blessed in terms of being surrounded by a community of people who support my work, who support me and who know the history. Um, and so they understand um, how impactful and how meaningful this, this process and this journey has been for me. So I'm actually very lucky to have them do a lot of the promotions for me, and I just kind of recycle what they what they um, put out there. But um, you know, going through conferences and being a part of um, writing communities and stepping up to do leadership work um, within these organizations have really forced me to get outside of my bubble outside of my um, boundaries. Mm-hmm. And what I found is your comfort zone kind of grows as you Push yourself a little bit. And then the next thing you know, your circle is way bigger than it started, you know, a year ago.
0: And I would imagine your work through now, this is your publishing company, Quillhawk Publishing. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah, I imagine just putting yourself out there with that and offering your services to authors. They're now, as they work with you, they find you in your book. And as you said, they probably can help promote you yeah it's
1: definitely symbiotic and and we're reciprocating that promotional opportunity right and you know I find that when I was offering this um, service last year, I decided that you know I really had to step up my game because now I'm accountable for other authors and I want them to be successful as well and so I'm helping to promote their work and so it's not just it's not just about me anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's actually pretty scary to put yourself out there as a publishing company, because as you say, now you're liable for their success. They're looking to you to have things be done correctly. So give us a little peek into Quill Hawk Publishing. What do you do and how can folks work with you there?
1: Sure. So it starts with... um you know, really me understanding what their work is, if it's, if it's all about diversity, then I'm I'm 100% in. But, you know, last year I only offered it to three authors. This year I'm offering it to six or seven authors because I have my own projects as well, um, so it's very limited. But what I do is I offer them ISBN numbers that I will register with Belker. I offer them templates, and I assist with copy editing, formatting, Um, you know, book covers, you know, getting it into the Library of Congress, um, doing graphics to help promote them, doing their book launches. I mean, it's just really as much as you want out of me is what I'm going to give you, Mm -hmm. um, if that helps. I don't do editing, though. I leave that to the professional, but I do do the proofreading and and copy editing Just not content development editing.
0: Right, right, right. I love that. Quill Hawk Publishing. Let's talk about your book cover, because that grabbed me when you first sent your book. I thought, oh, I love this cover. So give us a peek into how that came about.
1: Yeah. So with the Snow Trilogy Collector's Edition, I created that cover using book brush. Um, so that was easy. And But the individual covers for each one of my trilogy books, that one was a labor of love. Um, with Snow in Vietnam, I poured over thousands of photos online and when I finally found the one that I felt represented my mom, but also the culture and the story, um, I bought the license for it for that photo. And then I worked with Virginia McKevitt, who I luckily just stumbled upon, and she's an author and a graphic designer, and she turned it into the beautiful book cover that it is today um, with multiple layers of photos, one of them being a boat. That I took uh, a picture of it personally when I you know on one of my trips to Vietnam, and then the second one same thing poured over a bunch of you know models and photos, and I found one that um had the Vietnamese traditional dress on the l e i and it was in the colors of blue and green, and being from Seattle and loving the Seattle Seahawks, you know their colors are blue and green, so I thought that's perfect. <laughs> Uh, so it all just kind of worked out and the same thing with my third one you know I just um I just loved what the model represented and the beautiful color and the and the traditional attire she was wearing
0: so we went with that and there you have it (laughs) exactly (laughs) so what do you want people to know you write these books you share your heart what do you want people to come away with
1: I would love to inspire people to start telling their stories and to talk to their families and to ask questions. Don't be afraid, you know to um, to continue to discover themselves and and to grow from there. Because I think one of the best things about books is they force you to listen. It's just it's a very intimate thing. It's you and the book, you and the story, you and the heroine or the hero. And when you listen to those stories, a lot of it hopefully will resonate with you, that it will inspire you to, you know, write that memoir that you've been wanting to write or that, you know, fiction novel or whatever it is. Um, because while it's hard, I think it's one of the best legacies that you can leave behind for your family, especially your children.
0: That is so true. It is a legacy. You know, you can leave a lot of stuff behind that people eventually get rid of, but to actually write a book and leave that for future generations. It will always be there.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and as you said, how else would anyone know your story? And I think we tend to go through our lives, especially with our parents, and not really pay so much attention to their past and their history until they're gone. And then it's like, oh, gee, I remember my mom talking about that, but I don't know exactly who that person was or the context of it. And My goal is just to get people to pay attention at a younger age and start writing some of this down, some of this history that once these people are gone, the history's gone.
1: Yes, I agree. And, you know, even if you're not writing it down, record them Mm because it's always nice to play back and hear their voice Mm -hmm. when they're gone. Um, But you're right. I mean, once once we're gone, you know, the only thing we have left is our stories that we can pass on and. Um, I always encourage um, the younger generation to to really be still for a moment and listen and try to understand, you know, the life that their family lived. And it was, you know, totally a different time. Um, so for me, listening to your elders and listening to the younger generation, you learn so much. Yes. Yes.
0: If you take the time and listen and pay attention. Absolutely. So what has been the feedback from your books? What have you heard from readers?
1: Well, I have, um, you know, I have refugees and I have war veterans. Those are my two main audiences. And my war veterans who have read books tell me how healing it is uh, to read the stories because a lot of times they are left wondering what happened. Was it worth it? And um, after they read the trilogy, they there's such res, there's a lot of resolution and healing in it. Um, whereas my my refugees usually the 1.5, 2.0 generations, you know they they remember and they start to understand a little bit about their family history, and it encourages them to to dig a little bit further into to the war and, the, and their culture. So I've been receiving amazing feedback um, how they are just so drawn in and how they cry, and they laugh, and they, um, you know, they just, I mean, a good book, I would say, has to educate as well as entertain, and it certainly does that for them, which
0: I'm so happy to hear. Oh, that's so good. So what's next? What are you working on now? Well, I'm working on another trauma book. Um, (laughs) It's
1: Hmm. called The Copper Phoenix. It is a fictionalized biography of my friend's uh, life and how she survived childhood abuse, and also sexual assault, um, several sexual assaults, actually. And it's taken her quite a long time to heal. And, you know, we're excited to finish this story that's been in the making for three years. And uh, at that point, I will either pitch for traditional publishing or indie publish myself. And hopefully it will be out there by the end of this year if I I indie publish, and at which point um, my friend will come out publicly and let people know the stories about her.
0: Oh wow, that's huge! That's that's a big thing, a big healing step for her as well.
1: Yeah, very brave, very very brave.
0: You know, I I must have lived a life where we maybe people didn't talk about it, but I didn't know, or or no one spoke up about these kind of things of abuse, and so it just seems like within the last years that more people are coming out with it. And I'm just realizing what a big problem or a prevalent situation it is.
1: Right. And I think it's just, it's taken that long to process, you know, and to heal, to, to have that courage to finally speak up. Um, and, and I applaud them for it because it's, uh, you know, I still have issues of my own where I'm triggered sometimes too. And I just can't imagine being that brave to step forward to, Mm -hmm. to share your story. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, I commend you for writing this book and your friend for taking part in this and, and, uh, being brave enough to speak up and speak out.
1: Thank you. We're very excited about it. We hope that it will resonate and help, um, someone else out there.
0: It will. I mean, you wouldn't be spending your time doing this and, and your friend wouldn't be this brave to, to speak up uh, if it wasn't going to help someone else. And so that's what it's all about, kind of paying it forward. You know, You've had these experiences and you need to do something with them so that others can maybe lessen their pain.
1: Right, yes, yes, absolutely. We want to make sure people know they're not alone, mm-hmm. whatever... Whatever they're going through, you know, we as humans, we have all these range of emotions, and it doesn't matter the situation, but those, the pain is still the same. And, and that reality um, is, you know, something that connects us all together. Right.
0: And it seems now more than ever, we need that. We need to find the soft spots within humans and, and bring it out and share with others.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes
0: we'll leave it at that i think everyone (laughs) understands what we're saying (laughs) oh my gosh amy well anything we missed as we begin to wrap up that you wanted to highlight today
1: i just you know we we covered a lot and i'm so thankful for this opportunity and i do hope that whoever's listening that they do share their stories and um, that i also encourage you if you want to know more about Vietnam, not just the war itself, but the people and the culture, to please, you know, check out any of the books written by the, um, the Asian authors out there.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. And what about your contact information? Give us whatever you would like to share so folks know where to find you and your books.
1: Yeah, if they go to my website. All of my social media links and everything else is there. Um, so it's amy-m, as in Mary, dash lee, l-e, dot com.
0: Enough. the book is titled the snow trilogy and amy's website is amy-m-lee.com amy thank you so much for sharing your book with us and for sharing your life and this conversation today and i look forward to more please stay in touch with us and share your next book too it's been a pleasure thank you so much pat